I'm liking all the guys right now. I, I think I, I've seen a lot of improvement in the young, young players especially. Quick slow gun, claps the hands, shotgun snap from Karoma. Gives Squally, Squally second level, busting into the far side, 25-20, 15-10, touchdown! Looks left and now middle and fires, man wide open, it's Matt Bushman for a touchdown! Mangum shotgun, pumps, goes deep, near sideline, Simon there, makes the catch, 10-5! Today is BYU Football Media Day 2018. This is Behind the Mic, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Now, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Well, 10 weeks from tomorrow, the 2018 BYU football season kicks off at Arizona. Today, we start the countdown to kick off with BYU's National Media Day and this special two-hour edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. Coming up between now and 2 o'clock Mountain Time, we will hear from head coach Kalani Satake, offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes, defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki, special teams coordinator and linebackers coach Ed Lamb, quarterbacks coach Aaron Roderick, and former Cougars Jamal Williams, Fred Warner, Trevor Maddich, along with John and Ryan Denny, and current Cougs Tristan Hodge and Corbin Kofusi. Plus, we'll end the show by introducing you to the BYU football radio broadcast crew for 2018, including a new sideline reporter replacing the great Nate Mickle, who's left us to teach beneath the Golden Dome at Notre Dame. It is indeed a pleasure to have you with us on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYURadio.org, and on the BYU Radio app, whether catching us live or listening to us later on demand via podcast. Hope you enjoyed today's show. And to get us started, a coach starting his second stint with the BYU Cougars. The first time around, he was the offensive line coach for Gary Croton and later Bronco Mendenhall. Now, He's the offensive coordinator for Broncos' successor, Kalani Satake. He is Jeff Grimes, and he rejoins me here in Studio 2. Coach Grimes, last time we talked here, you were one week into this new gig of yours, and you were separated from your family at that time. Happily, that has changed, and you're all getting settled in a new house right now, right? We are. We've we've got a lot of stuff to get put up, and... um Unfortunately, I'm not able to be there at the moment, but excited about what we're doing here. Uh, the process of getting settled here while a family is elsewhere, what's that like for someone who's had a few jobs in your career? Um, wow, it's it's um, such a strange mixture of, of emotions. Um, being, being away from your family is tough. Uh, FaceTime makes it easier and texting and Snapchat, which I've got teenagers now, so now I'm into that. Um, but that's certainly certainly hard, but at the same time, you're typically invigorated by the process that you're right in the middle of. And um, my wife said to me, "Who we've been married 25 years and got a great marriage, got four wonderful kids, and we've always been a very, very tight-knit family. And I've always tried to get them with me as soon as possible typically right around spring break, which, which would put us in position where maybe we're only apart for six weeks or so. This one was much longer uh, because my, my oldest daughter was graduating from high school, and of course I wouldn't ask her to move prior to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but my wife said to me while we were in the middle of this, she said I, I'd call her on my way home from the office, and it would be you know 9 o'clock or something, 10 o'clock. She'd be like, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm heading home. She's like, you're just leaving now? I mean, it's it's February. It's April. Why are you leaving so late? And I said, well, there's a lot to do, and I don't have anyone to go home to. And she yeah. said, well, you know, it's probably a good thing that we weren't there right yeah. now. It allowed you the freedom to, to do what you needed to do, but it's been fun. I want to get to your BYU to-do list here in a minute, but when you began this coaching journey, 
you must have known what you were getting into in some way, but did you foresee the kind of career where the longest stays might be as few as maybe two or three or four years? Or did you hope to end up at a spot where you could be, if not a lifer, a a long-term guy? I think because of what I had seen um, as as a college player, Having a staff, um, my my early days at UTEP, uh, Dirk Cutter was the offensive coordinator. Andy Reid was my offensive line coach. That staff was was really good, and they they were the staff that recruited me. And then they left to go to another place. A new staff came in, and then I had another coach, who, a position coach, who changed between my junior and senior year. And so I saw the volatility of the profession at that time. And so I don't think I ever went into it with the false impression that I might stay somewhere for a really long time. And I was willing to do whatever I needed to do to grow as a coach and and um, to to provide a, a, a good living for my family. And so I don't think I knew that by the time my, my oldest daughter was 13 and we moved to Baton Rouge that, that I would have a kid who had lived in seven different states by the time she reached her teenage mm. years. But um, through it all, it's been been a great journey, and I've been blessed. Is BYU the kind of place, and again, you have your own uh, ambitions and expectations, is it the kind of place um, that, that allows someone like uh, you know Lavelle to stay as long as he did, or even Bronco to stay 10-plus years in his position? And if so, what makes it, maybe if not unique, a good, a good place that way? Yeah, I think obviously it is, or you wouldn't be able to cite those examples. And quite honestly, I wouldn't be coming back to it. Um, I think um, obviously a lot of the reasons that um, uh, a lot of the reasons that BYU is the right fit for a lot of our students, whether they're athletes or not, makes it the right fit for people in our positions. For you and me, if it's a good fit um, for a guy like. Um, Tristan Hodge or Tanner Mangum or Gunnar Romney, a brand new guy, um, if it's a right fit for them, and it's not the right fit for everyone, but it is the right fit for them. It's also been the right fit for me. And it's been the right fit for you for a long time, and, and it was for Bronco for a number of years. Um, then I think um, you can see somebody stay and, and have a have a great run at a place, which is pretty unusual in, in the state of college football that we're in right now. And I, and I think um, it starts with the people that are here and the values that are, um, um, that are carried on and, and, um, and asked for um, by everyone that's a part of this university and the church. Chatting with new BYU OC Jeff Grimes on this Media Day edition of Behind the Mic. So the to-do list, talking about your actual job now, the to-do list in spring and the early, quote-unquote, off-season months of summer compared to what needs to get done when you hit the ground in August. How would you say that the, uh, the, the, the characterization of the list will change or amp up, if you will? Well, I, re- I really think most of the really difficult work has been done. There were a lot of um, discussions that took place in order for us to make some really big decisions, starting with the staff, um, and that started before me with with uh, Kalani deciding to to offer me the job, and then for us to to hire an offensive staff, and and that took a little while, um, both to 
make determinations on who we wanted to offer these jobs to, um, and then to uh, make sure that it was the right deal for all of those guys. Um, and then we came together as an offensive staff and spent a lot of time making decisions about the type of offense that we wanted to put together. Certainly, I had a pretty good idea of what I what I wanted to do already, but. Um, I also recognize that, that I've got a lot of knowledge and experience in the room with me, and I wanted to take full advantage of that. And then ha- everything from what we would like to call a particular play from a no-huddle offense um, to um, how we wanted to practice our blitz pickup, so many th- to how we wanted to spend our time recruiting in the spring, so many things. Uh, we spent a lot of time discussing in order to make the right decisions. Um, now, a lot of that stuff, the formative stuff, is is pretty much in place. And so now that we've built the machine, so to speak, I think it'll run itself a little bit more. Our players, I think, understand what the expectation level is from us a little bit more. And, and I think that's showing up in the work that they're doing this summer. Um, so when we come back to work in the fall, it'll be a lot more specific to, um, you know, fall camp is really in some ways an extension of, of what you did in the spring, other than you actually get more time with the players. So you just have to plan for more practice time, more walkthrough time, more meeting time, but that's easy. We've all been doing that. Um, but then once that's behind us, then we're, we're simply just, um, we're game planning. And so the nature of the, of the job at that point, um, becomes wrapped around one specific week and one specific opponent. In terms of specificity in August, how much of what you will, uh, have them incorporate are things that they really got a pretty solid exposure to in spring, or how much of it was still formative in spring to where what they see in August will be a real step up for them? Um, I think about, 80 to 85 percent of the offense we got we got installed in the spring some were plays that we put in the first day some were plays we didn't really get in until about practice 13 or 14 and so some of them they've only been exposed to some of them they've been running quite a bit Um, and so there's still some installation to do in fall camp and uh, we'll put together an installation schedule that'll get us through everything that we need in the first two weeks, and then we'll just start repeating it, and then we'll we'll begin narrowing those things down to that first opponent. And you know, you have you have the playbook, but you don't necessarily use all of those things in every game. So after the first two weeks, we'll begin narrowing narrowing things down quite a bit. When it comes to the best offenses in college football, and you've been a part of and seen a lot of them, when it comes right down to it, how many actual plays do you think the best teams are really good at and focus the most on when it comes right down to it? You know, it depends on your philosophy. Um, There are some teams, particularly nowadays, those teams that that are no huddle, spread offenses by and large, um, don't run nearly as many plays. They focus on running plays fast and just running them again and again and again. Um, and there are certainly teams that have taken that approach and had success with it. And then there are other teams um, that take um, the approach that they're going to um, run a lot more plays and do it from a lot of different um, formations, and maybe they huddle, maybe they don't. Um, 
or maybe they do some of both. They mix it, and um, they're able to be successful with that as well. Um, I think the key is that you have balance regardless of what you're doing. So whether you're whether you're a, a team um, that's um, only running a few plays, or whether you're a team that's a little bit more complex and has a has a larger menu. I think as long as you can run and throw the ball well, um, then you can take either of those approaches approaches and, and have success. For a new coordinator in year one with this group, is it reasonable to expect you to, in this month of August or in this first season, to try and be really, really good at maybe a handful of things that you think will ultimately lead to success elsewhere on your team? Um, are you talking about being um, – narrow in terms of uh, the plays that we're running? Or you well, well, your offense look doing? different in a lot different in year three or year four than it might look in year oh. one. I think it depends on our personnel. Um, I don't think it'll look a lot different. I think it'll probably look a little bit different based on who we have playing some of those positions right now. And it might look a little bit different the latter half of the season mm-hmm. than it did even in the first half of the season based on injuries, based on development of certain players. And then sometimes you just get into a season and you find out, you know, we're really good at this concept and we're not as good at this other one. So you begin emphasizing that. Sometimes you throw plays out for a year. So I think there there will certainly be um, some things that are a little bit different, but I don't think we'll necessarily run a lot more plays in three or four years than we'll be running this year. You we'll said, have pretty much the full complement this season. And, and relative to the full complement, you said however you want to characterize it or what you end up calling it or look, what it looks like, you just want to be the better executing of the two offenses on any, on any given day. Absolutely. And, and I, think that's, I think that's who we need to be, and I think that's who we can be, given the types of players that we have and the culture that, that we're trying to build here. I think we can have the kind of players um, who will be consistently reliable at executing their job. Your pedigree is primarily offensive line related to that extent. Although you have to look the part on the O-line, you're not going to take a cornerback's body type and make him an O-lineman. What is more important to you, as you've seen it over the years, physical tools, which are imperative, or the mental makeup of that person? Um, I think if you have to be, to be a good college football player, I'm not, and I'm not talking about trying to, to develop a first-round draft pick for the NFL. I'm trying to put together a good college offense, right? And so I want to develop good college football players. In order to be a good college football player, you have to have enough of the physical prerequisites, but you don't have to be at the very top in any of those. Um, So as you said, you can't take a guy who's 5'10 and 250 pounds and expect him to be a good offensive lineman at this level. But if a guy's big enough and he's smart and he's tough and he loves the game, then he will develop into a good college football player. Um, How much of that just described Ryan Pugh, by the way? um, Your O-line coach. All of it. Was not the most physically talented. Um, he's six foot two. If he stretches a little bit, um, doesn't have particularly particularly long arms. Um, is a little bit stiff in his lower body, um, but he's really smart. He was really tough, and 
was willing to do whatever it took to be successful. And those same things that made him a good player are the things that um, that are making him a really good coach too. What is the value or the ultimate benefit of having multiple former coordinators in that room with you? Um, I think at times I'm able to uh, just bounce things off of them that, that um, give me a little insight into how maybe they've done some things. But I think really the more important thing is – is the fact that we have a room that has a lot of knowledge. And whether you're talking about a guy like A-Rod who's been a coordinator and and competed at the highest level for a long time, or whether you're talking about a guy like Ryan who's younger and hasn't been as much, or Fessy who's a little bit younger but hasn't been coaching as long but are really, really sharp, those guys, I believe, have pushed more learning – into a shorter amount of time than a guy that may be my age. And so I think we've got a room that has a lot of knowledge, and I lean on all those guys a lot. And we, and, and even more important than that, we've got great chemistry in our room, and we work really well together. And, and that, that really is, I think, has created a, um, a really functional staff that works well together. Offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes with me, defensive coordinator and special teams coordinator, Elisa Tuiaki and Ed Lambert coming up after the break, which is just a moment away. Um, in spring, we saw an offensive line that left to right looked like this many days. Uh, Brady Christensen, Thomas Schof, James Empey, Tristan Hodge, Austin Hoyt. How much variation would you expect from that group to something different on September 1st? Um, I, I would say that it could look just like that. Um, you could have four of those five. Um, in those positions and maybe someone else in that group injected instead of one of those. And in particular, if that's the case, you could have one or more of those guys playing a different position. Mm. Um, and one I, I already did, show did move in a little bit from last season. He did, but yeah. he played some tackle too in the spring, yeah. and he, he could play either um, effectively, I think. And uh, Tristan Hodge could play center as well as playing guard. Um we we had a couple of guys who were a little bit more on the front end of their career and maybe didn't get as many reps with the first group but might make greater gains this summer and may uh, may jump one of those guys. So those that was the lineup a lot of days at a lot of times, but we also mixed it up enough to know that, they're, that, that those guys aren't necessarily um, the guys that will start day one. Do you have an ideal number of guys that you consider to be – game ready week to week on the O-line? Ideally, what you'd like to have would be at least eight. Typically, you have a swing tackle, a guy that could play either tackle. Mm -hmm. And then depending on who your next best center is, um, you might have uh, another center who comes off the bench. Sometimes I've had a guy from another position, typically a guard, that would slide into center because a guy that's playing right or left guard might be your next best center. And so you may slide a guy in in order to put someone else in the game um, who may not be number two on the depth chart at center, but your next best guy might be a guy who's on the depth chart as your backup left guard. Um, But ideally, you'd love to have another guy that can go in the game and play center. You'd love to have at least one more guy that could go in and play guard or tackle. I've done it. I, I've been in seasons where I really only had six that I felt really mm. good about. And so 
we had more musical chairs. And last year, as an example, at LSU, um, I had a guy like Ethan Posick, who was, uh, or two years ago, Ethan Posick, who played center for me, but also played guard, also played tackle in a game and had done um, a limited amount of it. But it was our best combination at the time. And in that game that I'm referring to, we played seven. If you had looked on the field at any given snap, we played seven different lineups in the mm. offensive line during that game. Not by choice, but we just had different guys out for different reasons at various times of the game. And a guy would be out, and then he'd come back in, and then I lost a guy for the game, so I moved this guy over. Um, last year, we're playing at Florida. I had three true freshmen on the field at the same time, so you got to be ready for all those scenarios. Coach Grimes, I always enjoy our conversations because I learn a lot about the game whenever we talk. Thanks for coming and making time for me. You bet. All right, Thanks, that's Greg. Coach Jeff Grimes. Coming up, it's Coaches Ed Lamb and Elisa Tuiaki. This is a special BYU Media Day edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on BYU Radio. Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to this Media Day edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. There are three coordinators on the BYU football team, uh, not counting wardrobe coordinator, who's made sure that we all are wearing the same shirts today, by the way. But uh, you've heard from BYU's offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes. Now it's conversation with the other two coaches who make up the rest of our coordinator's corner, if you will. Defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki and special teams coordinator slash linebackers coach Ed Lamb. Welcome to you both here in Studio 2. How's the day gone so far? It's gone well. You guys have a place to be like every 10 or 15 minutes, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, there's a, we have a itinerary that we have to follow. We had a, br- a briefing yesterday and briefing yeah we in the war room instruction yeah. on how not to uh, conjecture and make a fool of ourselves and <laughs> now here we are today trying to follow through any lunch time involved today has it already happened I got, I got yanked out of lunch by oh uh, no yeah had so. to force it down like army style yeah put it away this We're is military yep. uh you know down years at byu are, are really few and far between happily but uh, over your careers you guys have coached a long time you've both occasionally been a part of campaigns that uh, don't go entirely as intended dip years if you will are, are part of the game how do each of you characterize last season now that you've put it to bed you will start with you you know, it was a learning experience you know learning experience and it was it was tough to go through but at the same time um, you know, coming out of it with uh, with a, a lot of excitement for the future. Um, some young kids that stood out during during bad times, and kids that you're counting on for the future. I mean, it's just one of those deals where not everything goes your way, and you get a couple of banged up kids, and and uh, you know your game plan doesn't work as as uh, planned. But but I think there's still a lot of good to, to take away from it at the end of it when we walk away. And we're excited. This off season's been really good. Um, you know, Kalani's got a great plan implemented and we've been just been behind him pushing along and the, the kids have bought in and it's been been great so far coach lamb how do you view last year in hindsight um yeah you're more more specific to the way you phrased the question before you know I, i've been i've been through um similar seasons i my uh probably the one that would would um relate to our current players and fans etc is my junior year here as a player um we we broke a 17-year bowl streak bowl invitation streak and um and we, the, the very next year came back and won 14 games and there wasn't a player 
on the team and or a coach I'm sure that just didn't didn't feel like that they had let everybody down and it was a big motivator into the off season we uh, started the next year with a with a, a, a traditional powerhouse opponent power five opponent and we were able to get the win in game one and I think it just it springboarded us along the way and uh you know I, I I've had other experiences at different schools where I think I think we're I, I from what I've seen this off season has been fantastic I'm really excited now, if memory serves, the season to which you reference would have been Steve Sarkeesian's first year as quarterback. And had 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 the current rules existed then, the bowl streak wouldn't have been broken. I think it finished seven and right. five that year, seven and four, yeah, seven, seven and five. five. So, and and I think that last game at Fresno again, if memory serves, Steve lit things up and had a great day. I think might have set, might have set the pacifist record that still stands at BYU. And yet, at the end of it, there was no bowl. Again, things are different now, but it did feel kind of strange to be in that position, didn't it? Yeah, and we we lost games that we felt like we should have won and that's you know it, the records didn't exactly match last year and but the disappointment was very real what has already encouraged both of you uh, relative to the possibility of, of improvement and a significant bounce back in 2018 maybe we'll go in inverse order here coach lamb and then coach tuyaki um the the dedication by every single guy i mean I, we see it in their their bodies, their the change in their their physical stature, and that's that's always the first indication is how hard these guys are working. It's a game that, particularly on defense and special teams, it's, it's nine tenths muscle. We just we want to see muscle mass and fitness, and uh, it's an indication of how how hard they've worked. But I'll, I'll trace it all the way back to the very first meeting right after the Hawaii game. Coach Satake was a different Coach Satake, same guy. Same guy that we know as friends and, and you know, uh, same guy you can go in and kick your feet up on his coffee table and, and talk about uh, family and life. But when it when it comes to football, that's a different coach to talk in. And I think every player and every coach has followed suit. Yeah, just piggyback and agree. I mean, it's really just the, the commitment by everybody, um, you know, to come in and, and uh, you know, it, it, it has shown all the kids doing their, their player run practices and, um, you know, leaders stepping up and, and uh, kind of organizing those things and players getting out there, uh, getting some extra work in um, is, is really, really shown. You can tell that the kids are really up for the challenge. Referencing that uh, that post-Hawaii get-together, what changed uh, from Coach Sitake that you think will actually uh, bear fruit here in 2018, do you think, E? You know, um, the, the the great thing about Galani, and I think one of the things that makes him a great leader is he – he uh, he came back and and uh, pointed the finger at himself, you know, and and a lot of it was about uh, some of the, the the culture that he he wanted to implement, or some of the culture that he thought was uh, was kind of taken for granted, or or he ju- he just thought was going to be you know what was going to exist. But um, really going back and and kind of being a little bit more detailed about making sure that the kids understood it, and and uh, <clears throat> the message really to the players was um, you know this. This place is hard. BYU is a hard place to go to school. Number one, to get into school and go to school, it's 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 uh, academic rigors are really really tough. Um, you're asking them to to abide by the honor code, which is another thing that not not a lot of other people out there are doing. And so everything that we do and everything that BYU has asked you to do is really difficult. But for for us to to be developed, for us to to understand that we're we're built and we're not born, which is really the theme that has come out of that meeting. Um, I think is everybody just kind of latched onto and really taken off, and I think that that's that's been a big, big positive. Um, you know, as we've come out of that 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 meeting after the Hawaii game. 
And that theme of, of doing hard things or having hard things make you better is one we'll expand on with Coach Satake at the, at the top of the hour, chatting with Elisa Tuiaki and Ed Lamb as we continue our Media Day edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel. Uh, Coach Tuiaki, so many bodies in your position group right now. Your position group is D-line. And some of these guys were kind of out of sight, out of mind last year, red shirts and things like that. Uh, you've got a big group of big guys, and I, I'm as excited about your position group as any on the team right now. Do you share the same excitement? Yeah, yeah, I am. I, I think there's a lot of, uh, <clears throat> like you said, there's a lot of kids that are capable of doing some things, of contributing. Um, there's you know, still yet to go through fall camp and kind of get a better feel for, for who's going to be in there, but... Um, you know, like Coach Lamb mentioned, the, the kids are looking differently. And I've talked to a lot of people who have seen these kids coming out of high school and even last year. Um, and now that they've seen them this summer, they're just like, wow, that, that kid is different. That kid looks different. He actually looks like a, a college player. You know, some of these kids coming in kind of skinny fat, and now they're actually built and, and broad and looking like they're ready to play. Coach Grimes has told me he likes to go into any given season with at least eight guys. You can really, really count on his frontline guys on the O-line. That's eight for five. What number is a good number for you to play four? Normally, I like to go in with five D tackles and four D ends, which is which end up being nine for us. And so, nine players for four. And you know, we rotate a little bit more than the offense does traditionally. Um, I think the philosophy is just to keep them fresh. And if there's not that big of a drop off between one, two, and three, then try to get them all reps. And it's also great for their development. And now that we have this new rule, you know, with the red shirts and all that stuff, I think that'll be, you know, we'll, 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 we'll give opportunities to a lot of these kids to develop, um, whether it's later in the year or earlier. But it'll be, I think you'll see a lot of, a lot of kids play this year at the D line spot. It's always dicey when you get asked to name names because um, you'll either leave out somebody you don't intend to or maybe give somebody short shrift. But uh, that said, if there were going to be a handful of defensive line standouts that we'll have identified by the end of this season, who are some guys that you are fairly confident will be in that mix? I think, think uh, you know, Corbin for sure. Uh, I've mentioned it before, just the fact that he didn't play basketball and really focused on getting bigger. I mean, he looks like a different kid, and uh, we're really excited about him. You know, uh, a lot of people are asking about Devin. I think Devin Another Kofu- has a, Devin Kofusi. Devin Kofusi yeah, yeah. Is, has, a, has a role, um, you know. Uh, everybody already knows that Kyra started to play really, really well at the end of the year. We just got to make sure that we keep him on that same path. And he's he's on the way to getting healthy. Yep. Yep. yep absolutely. Um, and Tavita, same deal, right? Yeah. Well, we'll exactly. He was another guy that came off of surgery, and um, Lorenzo Falatel was another guy coming off of surgery. And so a lot, a lot of young kids with with not that much experience, but just like you said, good bodies and and a lot of kids with potential. Coach Lamb, you worked with the player last season uh, in your role as safeties coach in Zane Anderson. And you keep him, even though you've switched positions this year. You're with, you're with the linebacker group, and he's now there too. Yeah, part of the deal. Yeah, <laughs> no, he just that just happened to be um, the the best thing for for his position, best thing for the team. Trying to uh, make sure that we get. You know, sometimes we say just out of habit, best eleven players on the field, but it, that's really not it. You already alluded to it with with numbers, you know, target of numbers of guys who are actually playing. And, uh, and we felt like Zane was going to have the best potential to help the team and maybe the best potential for his future at the linebacker position. Sione Takitaki, as a linebacker, as opposed to, to D-end, what's, what's the real practical difference in what he's doing? Um, to what extent is there a big difference? And, and, and how excited are you to have him as one, as one of your guys? You know, it's, it's really um, 
all of these moves that that we've made, you know, we move some starting corners to the safety position, we move starting safety to the linebacker position, moving Sione to uh, to linebacker. What we're doing is, you know, even though Sione kind of made the, the the inverse movement there from from D line to linebacker in comparison with the other guys, we're looking at measurables. And uh, Sione is a is a linebacker build. He's a linebacker body. He's going to bring tremendous. Of physical toughness to that position, his speed is underappreciated. I don't know what he runs the forty in, but he just plays so hard and so fast. We'll, we'll, um, you know, Coach Tuiaki will do a good job of getting him involved in pass rushing and get some opportunities to rush the passer. But he'll bring uh, hand strikes. He's used to playing in tight quarters, and uh, he'll he'll kind of fight in a phone booth for us there when needed at the linebacker position. You talk about linebacker body types, and when you see Butch Pau, he says middle linebacker to you. Yeah, that's right. He, he does say middle linebacker. Yeah, and he um, his he has improved his composi- his body composition and overall body weight. We've given him some very specific targets, and uh, not easy to accomplish. And he's much more back to his form uh, from two years ago when he was more in the in the two twenties and playing in, incredibly quick. Strength and power will never be something that he lacks. And so you know, I think he just maybe overestimated uh, the weight that he needed to be playing at last year, and it hurt him a little bit in his production. I, I think he'll be much more back to his two years ago form, but older and wiser and a better player. Beyond uh, Zane, Sione, and and Butch, uh, other guys you expect to be uh, heard from at linebacker this year? I consider Matt Hadley a, a, a yeah. starter at the linebacker position. He didn't come out of spring you know, as, as one of the top three guys, mainly because he's kind of still working through some of the injury stuff. Yeah. But we're uh, fortunate to have him back. And, and the he fact he's play. back is actually big news, right? It's I mean. big news. And he can play all three positions, which is uh, you know rare. rare. He, he just has a, one of those unique builds, and he'll be a kickoff return guy for us. And if we needed him at running back, I, I, I believe he's one of the best running backs on our on our football team. So he just has so much ability. I uh, love the, the uh, leadership and uh, a work ethic that Adam Pulsifer brings to the linebacker position. He'll be in the mix for playing time as well. And just out of nowhere, uh, Riggs Powell, mm-hmm. uh, walk-on, uh, former junior college quarterback, is uh, he, he is really pushing Zane for playing. He, Riggs will play, and he'll play well. He was uh, really strong in the spring. What's reasonable to expect from somebody young like, say, a Christian Folau or uh, Isaiah Kofusi? Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned those guys together. AJ, AJ Lolo has another one I would I would kind of throw into that group. Now they've they're at the point where it's time to take a step forward. You know, they've been here through a season where they they don't get a lot of preparation. They play on the scout team, then they went through a spring practice where they start to show some stuff. But a lot of times, young players, as the scheme gets a little more. Uh, nebulous. They'll maybe take a step back and then another step forward a few days later. They're they're all kind of in that same area. They any one of those guys could seriously push for playing time in a starting position. They have the the requisite tools. Coach Tuiaki, uh, you know how much I love the stat called Havoc Rate, which talks a lot about dis- defensive disruptiveness. And you were more disruptive with your first defense than you were this second year with your with your second go around. How much of of that of that drop off and disruption was a function of the fact that the offense wasn't maybe where it needed to be, and you felt that you had to maybe be a little safer just to keep yourselves? Is that a fair assessment of what happened last year? And, and could you see an uptick to being more disruptive here in 2018? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, a lot of times disruption, taking away the ball and all those things happens. Um, at times, number one, where the offense is a little bit more predictable, and that, that, that comes on on third and longs, um, as well as when you're ahead or even if it's if it's a close game. And 
Um, felt like last year, so, some of the games that we got into, we kind of fell a little bit behind, and and the the opposing offenses did a really good job, just kind of keeping the ball away, just playing safe, mm-hmm. and get a little bit a little bit more into a four minute drill a little earlier in the game, and so. Um, you know, and when they did, we didn't do a good job stopping the run. You know, and so I think all those things just kind of, kind of uh, compiled together, and and uh, we never had as many opportunities as we did the first year. And so um, they definitely do play off of each other. But we've got to do a really good job stopping the run. We've got to get opponents in, in third and longs. And uh, if we're ahead, then we've got to make sure that we're taking advantage of opportunities to rush the passer, um, and get sacks and takeaways and picks and all that. Well, guys, um, even though lunch didn't last as long as you would have liked it to, uh, I thank you guys for making time for me, and we'll talk a lot more during the season during our coordinators' quarter, corner visits. So Coach Tuiaki and Coach Lamb, thanks for making time. Right, thanks. Thank you. All right, thank you. We'll talk to former Cougars, Jamal Williams and Fred Warner. Coming up next, we're in Studio 2 here at BYU Radio for this Media Day edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel. It is brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Back after this. to his right, throwing downfield. It's intercepted, Fred Warner at the boundary, down the sideline, 20, 15, 10, 5. You are listening to Behind the Mic on BYU Radio. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Well, last year, Jamal Williams was the NFL rookie in waiting, fourth-round draft pick of the Green Bay Packers, coming off a record-setting career at BYU. Jamal then led the Packers in rushing in his first year in the league and found the end zone six times as a rook capturing the attention and the hearts of Packer fans and making new Packer fans among the faithful here in Cougar Nation. This year, Fred Warner is in the spot Jamal occupied last season, third-round pick of the San Francisco 49ers. Fred is learning his new linebacker spot by the Bay and already making waves as he enters his rookie NFL season. And on this special Media Day edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel, we welcome in Jamal Williams and Fred Warner into Studio 2. Gentlemen, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Yep. Hey, do you, uh, first we'll start with Jamal. Um, did you get a sense? Did you even have an idea of what Packer Nation was really all about until you got out there? Uh, no, not really. I, I had a a few glimpses in what I had in my mind. You know, I just was thinking about cold people just being out there, crazy for the game of football for the Packers, just out there with no shirts on when it's <laughs> cold as a mug. But but they they really enjoy. It. They love their tradition. I mean, they even made us go on a on the uh, what's called the Hall of Fame trip, the museum, and just check all the the history and all the fun games and that stuff that happened. And they really embraced the frozen tundra. You know, they embraced that. <laughs> and I didn't get a real glimpse of it until after this year to to really understand what that meant. But I mean. I embrace it now, you know. I just, I just know what real cold is now. Yeah, I hear you. Well, it, it is, it is a business, NFL or Green Bay, wherever you go. But how much of of what the Packer thing is going on kind of feels like like a family affair with the, with the way they the way they kind of relate to their players and coaches? Oh yeah, it's. I think it's real family orientated, especially in it's the only thing in Green Bay that's really happening. You know that. People really care about is um, the Packers. I mean, you see Packers stuff everywhere. They got streets named after them. People got their fences and everything painted of the players already. And so it's really they they really all in one. And you know they they love their Packers. 
be outside the gate trying to get autographs all the time. And, you know, when we get into training camp, you know, we ride bikes with the little kids yeah. and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just things that just make the fans feel more involved with the team. And certain of those kids you get to know on a first-name basis, right? Oh, yeah. I got my road dog, Evie. Yeah, you got Evie going. <laughs> so how proud are you of Fred? Because you can really relate to he what, to what he's going through right now. And you've talked about it, I'm sure. But but what what, what, what would you want Fred to know about what it's going to take to put himself in a position that you maybe found yourself last year? Um, honestly, Fred just got it. He got it all down already, especially. He already on defense, you know. And honestly, I believe in everything that he can do on the field and off the field because I feel like anything off the field, you ain't got to worry about him getting into trouble and stuff like that at all. And especially on the field, you know, he's going to give 100%. You know, he always give an effort, getting to the ball, and that's the things you need on defense. And, I'm, you know, I can always see him on there starting. And, you know, if we got a game plan or we playing against Fred, you just got to <laughs> know my boy is not going to stop. He got a whole bunch of energy, a whole bunch of effort, and he'll always be getting to the ball. Fred, one of the cool things about having you in uh, with Jamal is uh, the logos you're both wearing, and they're both wearing their NFL uh, polos right now. Tradition. I mean, Packer tradition, Niner tradition. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's huge. Uh, and I'm learning that really quickly right now. Uh, right before we left, uh, we met a lot of the um, you know, the old vets uh, who were retired now and, and who were back in the 80s, you know, when they were winning Super Bowls. And, you know, having five of those and, uh, you know, the tradition, like you said, and the history that goes that goes way back. And, um, you know, it's, it's crazy to think about. And now that, now that I'm here, you know, I got to try and live up to that. And, uh and and bring one home. You know what I mean? So uh it's good though. It's uh I'm 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 blessed and I'm happy to be in the in the um the situation I'm in. And those nine are grades you talk about, your A D at BYU is one of them. And Tom right. Loma, you guys right. have obviously talked about what it means to be a Niner. Oh yeah. I mean in our fan base is just like, you know, with Green Bay, our fan base is just crazy. You know, we, they they call themselves the faithful or like the Empire and uh, you know, they they make sure that you that you know uh, that they're there and that they're you know they're gonna be diehard no matter what and you know we've we've had some some bumps in the road the last few years um, you know as a as a team but I, I feel like we got a really good squad this year visiting with Fred Warner and Jamal Williams former Cougar greats now making the way in the NFL I'll ask you both this we'll start with Fred uh, when you were each other's teammates did you see in each other a future NFL player in addition to being a great college teammate. Man, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's automatic. I mean, when we was out there on the field, man, I, I can still remember, uh, you know, spring ball practices when we we're doing one on ones. And I know Jamal be po- he be posting uh, some some clips on, on Snapchat here and there. Sometimes I want to reply, but I'm like, nah, I'm gonna let him live. But you know, he was back there, he was mouthing off just because he had that confidence that nobody's going to get past him when we were doing those drills except for, you know, the one and only uh, myself. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's just that competition that, that we both had in ourselves that you, you could tell that uh, you needed that to get to the next level, and we both had that. So, How about uh, you, Jamal? When you, when you were playing against Fred as a teammate or watching him on game days, did you see an NFL guy? Of course. It's just, it just sometimes it just comes from the way you talk and how you – show yourself and the confidence you got and most of the time is a lot of people is just by the actions you know you can just show by the actions and you can see that they NFL types you know and Fred I think Fred more when I when I first met Fred Fred wasn't as talkative as he was until he started noticing that he was kind of good <laughs> and he noticed that he could actually do something so then he That's started true. talking some more That's true. but you know 
He could talk as long as you can back it up and talk. Mm-hmm. You know, you do what you need, you do what you want. But just know, you know, there's always people out there who, who play, and it's always great to have people who can talk back and you know just have fun with each other. It's, you know, it's nothing, no hard feelings, nothing trying to get to them. Nothing. It's mm-hmm. just a competitive nature that we all have, and we just want to be the best that we can be. And you know, luckily I had. Uh, Fred on on be on the same team as Fred, you know, to keep empowering each other, you know, improve on our skills, one on ones, and I hate one on ones, <laughs> but you know, it's just when you get into them and you got somebody who's competitive who brings the competitor out of you, it just you know, it's just a natural thing that happens during practice that things start get heated up, and you know, you just want to do the best that you can. Fred, last year, you're focused on being the best you can be as a senior at BYU. But while you're playing on Saturdays, the next day, Jamal's doing what he's doing in Green Bay. And as the season went along, opportunities came up, and then more opportunities came up. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, Jamal is like the man. Right. So even while you were a BYU Cougar, were you you know able to keep enough attention on what he was doing and kind of seeing what he was doing? How cool is it to see Jamal break out the way he did last year? Yeah, man. I mean, it's... It was crazy the type of season he had, especially as a rookie. Uh, now me being a rookie, I, I can already tell like how hard it is even to just make a team. And mm-hmm. the fact that he was able to not only make the team and then uh, you know, be the player that he was and have all the success that he did. I mean, us as BYU players, not just myself, but even the, the entire team, we always kept up with not only him but everybody else who was who was in the league and doing their thing. Uh, so we're always happy for guys who like Jamal who um, – are having the success they have, and it's crazy to you know just like watch like a Monday night football game, and, and he's on there saying <laughs> you know Jamal Williams BYU like yeah. it's crazy, and uh, you know that you know I'm very happy for him and and the top season he had, and that that just shows you that he's just gonna have even an even be, bigger year this year uh, in year two. So uh, yeah, we were we were in Hawaii uh, for our season ending game against Hawaii, and I think that was the weekend you guys played Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, a Sunday night game, I think, if I remember correctly. You had yeah. a big game that night, if I if I remember. Uh, it was cool to be able to find Jamal's games all over the place and then see him doing what he's doing. It, it's a neat feeling as a as a Cougar broadcaster to see someone take it to that next level. Speaking of next level, body types change from high school to college and from college to pros. And and Jamal, what what are you going at right now, height and weight? Uh... You know, six two with cleats on. You know what I mean, <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, I say like six one. I mean, like two two twenty three today. Yeah. Okay, so six one two twenty three in the two twenty five range. When you came to BYU, how much did you weigh? I was like one ninety. <laughs> yeah, I was skinny. I was skinny and small. <laughs> <laughs> but to make it at this level, things have to happen, right? you got to put the work in. Yeah, yeah. You, that's, I think you just got to just keep working on your body. And if you know it's not where you want it to be, then you just got to keep working hard and lifting, eating right, you know, doing things to make sure that your body's in, in shape or is trying to get to shape. Okay, last couple things for both of you guys. Fred, uh, what have you already learned about life in the NFL and, and what's reasonable to expect from you uh, as a rookie? Hmm. Well, I mean, I've learned a lot just in the first, you know, what, month and a half that I've been part of the league, you know. Um, probably one of the biggest things is the details um, of the game and, you know, being out there, uh, playing a whole new position, trying to learn a whole new position and uh, playing playing Mike now. Um but yeah, I think you. I mean, I expect a lot out of myself. You know, when I came coming in the NFL, coming into the NFL, you know, when teams would ask me what what they see, what do I see myself doing in my first year, and I always told every single team I saw myself being the defense defensive uh, rookie of the year. Hmm. 
Um, you know, and that still hasn't changed. I mean, at this point, uh, I have, you know, a, a, seasoned, a seasoned vet, uh, Malcolm Smith, who's played eight years in the, in the, in the NFL. Um, he's a Super Bowl MVP. But, uh, you know, the things happen in the NFL all the time, you know, whether it be injuries or whatnot. Um, and I'm, always, I'm, I'm for sure just going to work my, my butt off to make sure I'm ready for any opportunity that's presented to me. Um, and, I, you know, whether I'm playing on special teams, you're going to see me making plays on special teams. It, it doesn't matter. So I'm just looking forward to, you know, taking it all in for my first year. I haven't looked at your guys' schedule yet. Do you guys play each other this year? Yeah. We do. We've been we talking do. smack all yeah. day. Oh, yeah. So, so what's yeah. the date of that? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know either. Is it there? It's is it in dub. Green Bay or San Fran? <laughs> all I know is, but it's a dub. It's a dub. Oh, uh, yeah. We're not going to get into that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll circle it on my calendar. Circle it, please. Okay. Uh, last thing for you, Jamal. This is year two for you. You play with great backs, with a great offense. Uh, what, 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 are, what are season two goals for Jamal Williams? Um, season two goals. I think more than anything, my goals is just to – more yards than last year. Really just improved from everything from last year. My yards, touchdowns. Um, and then my personal goals is just really just ready to get – I have a, a goal on missed tackles too. Hmm. Missed tackles and, and really just having more plus 20 yard, uh, yard runs. Big breakers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, we will look for that 49er Packers meeting, see when it comes up. And make sure, <laughs> and no matter what happens, take a picture with the two of you together and post it, okay? So Maybe. we know that you guys are still boys. It depends. On the, it depends. <laughs> see, he might be a little hurt after you beat him. He's not going to, take, he's take not going to trade the jersey. Once he gets the dub, you'll tell by the picture who won. You don't even have to look exactly, at the final. Yeah. Yep. Fred and Jamal, thanks for coming in. Yeah. Really appreciate it. A couple uh, four more former and current NFLers coming up. The Denny Brothers are next. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel on BYU Radio. We're brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. More Behind the Mic on Media Day coming up after this. Stay with us. As Stanton drops in a deep pocket, being chased by Kofusi, and he goes down! Corbin Kofusi with the sack! yard line a loss of nine you are listening to behind the mic on byu radio now back to the voice of the cougars greg rubel and today's show brought to you by the byu store the official outfitter of byu fans everywhere the aforementioned corbin kafusi is coming up in hour number two of this program Coming to your way from Studio 2 here at BYU Radio. It's a BYU National Media Day edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel. In the great history of the Miami Dolphins, Dan Marino, not surprisingly, uh, leads the way in number of games played. Regular season, I think it was 242 is his number. Uh, Dan Marino's the only player ahead of John Denny on that list in Miami. The former Cougar and current Dolphins long snapper has played 208 games for Miami. That is number two all time. And I think it's only regular season. I could be wrong on that. And uh, John Denny is with us here on Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. John, we talked a few months ago on this show, but it was uh, on the phone. And you were on the verge of moving into, I think, third place on that games played list. And now you're sitting mm-hmm. at second. Um, there's value in longevity. And you've got that value here in the NFL. What has been key to you being able to answer the bell every game for like 13 seasons? Uh, I think the first thing that boils down to is the nature of my position. Just being a long snapper, it's one of those positions that, you know, once I think a coach finds somebody he likes, they can kind of put it off to the side and they don't want to have to worry about it. And uh, that's that's been to my advantage. And then uh, there's a lot of other factors that are involved that, you know, I can't control, you know, like injuries, um, coaching changes. Every time you get a new coaching staff coming in, you, you wonder, you know, I'm are they going to keep me? They got a guy they want to bring in, and um, I've been with the same few coaches. Well, my special teams coach anyway for the last eight nine years. 
So even though there's been head coaching changes, my special teams coach has done a great job in the league. Um, he's always in the top. So he's maintained his job, which means he's going to maintain, well, if he likes me, which yeah, he has, and he, does. He, he keeps yeah. me around. So he, he'll, he'll vouch for me when the new coach comes in, and, uh, and that helps out. What's your contract situation currently, if it's okay to ask? Yeah, I'm doing these last couple of years have just been uh, year-to-year deals. Um, so are you are, are you good for 2018 right now? I am. Yeah, okay. I just, just resigned for for one year, and I did that okay. the previous two years. And at this point in my career, with the, with the veteran minimum, it, there's really no point in, in doing longer longer deals than that. Um, there's kind of a, an added bonus, a protection, I guess, because my cap number when I do the one year deals is equivalent to a, a third year player. So I become less of a liability. There's more incentive for me to want to do that deal. Okay. Because there's less reason for them to, to want to get rid of me. Dolphins long snapper John Denny with us here uh, on Behind the Mic. We were hoping that uh, Brother Ryan would make it to town for this. Um, there, there's a feature this afternoon on BYU TV, uh, Cougars in the NFL, and, and Ryan was one for nine, ten seasons. Um, what's he up to these days, and where do you spend your off-season home? He's up in Alpine. He's coaching uh, at Lone Peak, and his kids are getting older. They're all in sports, and so uh, running around doing a lot of camps. I think his daughter was down here this last week and doing a camp. Uh, for soccer, I believe. Oh, so cool. he's busy. He's busy with that. I spent my off season. We just started. We just broke camp last week, and uh, this is the first week of our off season. Um, driving out tomorrow morning, taking my son up to scout camp for a week. Um, I'll be spending some time with him in uh, <laughs> sunny South Florida, ninety-two degree weather, about one hundred percent humidity. Camping is a whole different beast than I grew up with out here back west. So uh, I just spent last week on vacation in Orlando, and uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's a real thing, man. It is a, <laughs> That humidity is a real thing. So that's that's during the day. You go home and you get to sleep in a hotel. This is You're trying to <laughs> sleep in that. That's, uh, it's, it is, it's brutal. So I'm, I guess I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And then uh, we'll be out here. We're coming back out here July 1st, the whole family. Uh, we got a lot of family out here. My parents are out here. Like I mentioned, Ryan's up in Alpine, and my sister's out here as well. So uh, my wife's got half her family out here. So we like to come out during that break, during this break we have before we start training camp and visit with family. Um, and then we'll spend a week in Arizona as well, visiting family. Okay. The, uh, this will be your fourth, I was right on, is it 14th season coming up the, yeah. in 2018? Yeah, I'm working on 14. All right. So what's realistic in terms of how long you can go? Presuming that the special teams coach continues to like you and you're still good at your job and everything else. It's, it's year to year. It really is. I mean, I feel good right now. How old are you? I'm 39. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll be 40 in the middle of this season at the big four zero, uh, which is a nice, you know, mile marker. But mm-hmm. uh, do you have numbers in mind, years or games or anything? Or it, re- it just evolved throughout my entire life. I mean, my entire career th- throughout the NFL. You know, the first I, first thing I just wanted to get in the NFL. You know, and you thought maybe I can steal a couple years, and you got that that two two years, and then maybe I can get that third year extension, then give you that extension. It's like, well, then the next goal is like I want to get that next that contract, that free agency, and I hit that. You know, and then it was, and then it was like, you know, so that put me around six, seven years. I was like, wow, it'd be great to be able to get double digits. So then I'm looking at 10 years. Yeah. And all of a sudden I hit 10 years. And so now it's like, okay, maybe, maybe I'll try to be, you know, try to get the most games played for the, for the Dolphins. And then, so right now with looking at 14, the next benchmark seems to be like 15. Maybe I'll try to get 15 years. So I feel like I got a couple more in me, but it's also how many more years do they have in me? So it doesn't matter how many more years I want to play. It's a matter of, uh. How long they'll keep me around. Okay, so we get a couple seasons down the line, and you're really close to Dan Marino's number. Do you want to – if you're if you're close enough, you go, yeah, I want to pass it. The game's played number. Um, that's – from my perspective, it seems so far away because that's okay. another two or three seasons, I think. Two and a bit, I think, maybe. Yeah. 
So at this point in my right. career, I'm uh, it's so it's so far it would, it would away. Cool it's so thing. far away that yeah. I, I haven't even looked at it. Okay, I've got like sixty seconds with you is all. Um, and I, and I read it somewhere a couple of years ago. Somebody wrote an online piece about. Um, not having a long snapper in the NFL Hall of Fame or the Pro Football Hall of Fame, <laughs> but if there's going to be a there's guy, a reason. but if there's going to be a guy, it's going to uh, be John Denny. Wouldn't that be? I mean, could that happen? No, no. I, that article was written in fun. I don't. I don't no, think. it seemed like it was not uh, not just tongue in cheek. I think it was a real. I'm, yeah, I hope I'm wrong. But if uh, to answer your question honestly, I do not see the day where the NFL is bringing in. Uh, snappers. Okay, well, I'm 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 going to I'm going to be the the one man <laughs> campaign then. If you get I'm not going I'm not going to stop you. I'm just being <laughs> realistic. All right. Um well, uh in in the in the history of 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 great former Cougars who are still making it uh, uh in the NFL, um you are somebody that I hope BYU fans remember and remember well uh because it's a remarkable thing what you are doing and continue to do season to season. And again, there's value in longevity, and you can't just stay in the league a long time. You've got to be good at what you do, and you are among the very best at your craft. And it's been a pleasure to chat with you again for the second time this year. Thanks for coming in behind the mic. Thanks, Gray, for having me. All right, that is John Denny, long snapper for the Miami Dolphins. And yeah, I'm not going to say it's crazy to think that uh, a long snapper could be in the Hall of Fame, because he's that good and he's done it for that long. That's John Denny. We'll come back after this with the head coach, the BYU Cougars, Kalani Sitake. This is a special BYU National Media Day edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. We're in Studio 2 on BYU Radio. We are brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Coach Sitake is coming up next. Stay with us. You have been listening to Behind the Mic with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Listen to the podcast at BYUradio.org. I'm liking all the guys right now. I think I've seen a lot of improvement in the young, young players especially. Critch low gun, claps the hands, shotgun snap from Karoma. Gives Squally, Squally second level, busting into the far side, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, dive, touchdown! Looks left and now middle and fires, man wide open, it's Matt Bushman for a touchdown! Mangaman shotgun, pumps, goes deep, near sideline, Simon there, makes the catch, 10, 5, touchdown! Today is BYU Football Media Day 2018. This is Behind the Mic, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Now, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Hour number two of the special Media Day edition of Behind the Mic continues now with BYU head coach Kalani Satake now entering his third season as BYU's head coach. Before we bring Kalani in officially, thanks to our guests in hour number one, Offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes, defensive coordinator Elisa Tuyaki, special teams coordinator Ed Lamb, along with uh, former Cougars and current NFLers Jamal Williams, Fred Warner, and John Denny. Coach Satake, welcome into Studio 2. Not, not a bad first-hour lineup there, and there's so much good football that's being played and has been played at BYU over the years, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm surprised you even brought me on. You had, you had a, a stacked show, so I uh, appreciate the time and, and uh Really excited to be be involved with BYU football and being here today. Now, we were together at a sponsor function last night, and I really appreciate what you had to say to the audience at that time. And it was centered on, not all, but it centered on on, on what it is you and an extension we and the school ask BYU players and coaches to do. And that's basically do hard things. Oh, yeah. And, and you really kind of zeroed in on the, on the notion of um, 
Hard makes you better. Yeah, well, I think there's there's an easy way, and I think everything, uh, if it's easy, you don't learn much, you know. But uh, usually, the better way is a is a difficult path, and and it's it's a harder uh, process. But um, BYU is hard. It's a hard place to be as a, as a student athlete, as a football player. Uh, and academics is difficult. We play in a tough schedule um, that, that's really front-loaded and, and has a lot of Power 5 programs, and it's not getting any easier. Um, <clears throat> you know, we we adhere to a, a, a code of conduct that no other team does in, in college football, and so uh, we expect a lot from our young men. And I think that those have been – people have talked about it and argued and debated over the fact that those are probably what's holding us back, and I think that's exactly the opposite of what I, I think. I think it's just, it's what elevates us from everyone else, and um, all we have to do is put forth the effort and make sure that it, it follows through on the football field and win games. But uh, BYU is a tough place, but I, I also look at the – you focus so many so so much on the responsibilities and and the the, um, the difficulties that you don't look at the reward afterwards. And I'm living proof that uh, your life will be better if you play football at BYU. It's the same way that I felt about my mission. It was hard. That's why it's so memorable. You know what I mean? But it had a – those two years had a lasting effect on my life, and just like the, the five years that I had here at BYU as a football player and as a student athlete and as a student in the school, um, has made me a better person. And and so, uh, that's our mindset, that's our identity, and we got to live with that, and then and be proud of the fact that this is difficult, and it's not made for everyone. You know, we we take that approach in recruiting, we've taken that approach with our players this year, especially enforcing it a lot more and and demanding more from our players, and uh, I think the results will, will show itself this fall. 2017 was hard, but 2017 is also history. But what did what happened in 2017, Kalani, in a way kind of have to happen for you to get the best idea of what you needed to do to take this program to where you really wanted to go? Yeah, I think that it's um, it was a difficult time, right? But I, I think you learn a lot from adversity. And um, you learn a lot about what we're trying to do as a program. And, and I had to reflect a lot on my, my role as a head coach and, and see things that I could do differently and become more efficient and utilize what we have right now. I think you can take old school principles that we learned when I was a, when I was a player, but you have to adapt them to what we're dealing with now and the, 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 the type of society where the way society is now. The things that worked the old school principles do work, but you have to execute them differently because the times are different now. Uh, these kids grew up with iPads and iPhones and things like that, and, and we didn't. And so we have to adapt the way we teach and the way we mentor and and also um, the way we challenge. And I think that there's nothing wrong with challenging young men and uh, nothing wrong with challenging ourselves. And it's going to be some level of discomfort, but a lot of growth. And so the year was difficult. and We had to make some adjustments and uh, I did personally as a, as a coach. I needed to change some things and really check myself at being, try to find the humility to to figure things out. Um, that's easy when things aren't going well to to really look at things and to to fix. Um, when 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 you were winning, I think it's easy to be humble when you're winning, right? So um, right now we're at a point where a lot of people are underestimating us, but not our fans. I feel a lot of support from our fans and a lot of belief in what we're doing as a program. And um, I feel excited that that we have such a great fan base. And our players are excited to play for them. So uh, there, there's others that are underestimating our team, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun this year to see what happens. I think we it's good to be in this position. Last season ended uh, at, at Hawaii without a bowl, and you came back, and Coach Lamb, when he was with me uh, last hour, referenced that meeting that you had uh, when you got back from Hawaii and about kind of maybe resetting the bar. How much of the challenge was directed outward to the guys, and how much of the challenge was directed inward at you? 
Well, it starts with me first. And, and so I think I, I had to really check myself on a lot of things and reevaluate everything that I was doing. Um, I think I, I had to find a way to challenge myself a little bit more too. And, and then I issued the challenge to the, to the players because it doesn't really work if you just tell them what they're doing wrong. Right, I think it's it's important for all of us to go through the process together, and um, we we had to identify our our well, identify what our culture is, and define what our identity is, and 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 this goes back to what I was talking about that things are difficult here, but um, it's 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 going to be memorable because of it, and and to accept challenges and to be okay with a little discomfort because that's where growth really takes place. Now you're you're known as a defensive coach, but you played on offense at BYU, and you have an equal appreciation for both sides of the ball. The most coaching changes took place on the offensive side of the ball. Can you describe the process that you and Coach Grimes undertook uh, to get the current coaches where they are right now on offense, and what you hope the outcome is when you guys start playing games here in 2018? Well, it was a lot of the leadership that you know, Jeff Grimes had. I, I was really impressed with how he put together the staff and. Um, you know, he really focused on chemistry and wanted uh, men in there that would be humble enough to work together. And, and I've been really— Fellow coaches uh, we're talking about. Yes, yeah. yes. I'm talking about the coaches uh, that, that he wanted to hire. And, and as we uh, put together the staff, I, I, I was a little bit um, taken back because of the, the, t- the quality that we were getting. And uh, there's a lot of people that were interested in this job. Um, from the beginning as an offensive coordinator, but Jeff Grimes seemed like what we, the identity that we needed for our, our program. And he went forth and, and brought a staff that is going to match his passion and his expectations for this for this program. And um, and it's it's been great ever since they stepped on into our, on campus, you know. And so uh, I think a lot of these guys have a lot of experience, and they've done it. They've been in coaching for a while now, and they've been through different programs and been through the top programs and also climbed their way up to where they're at now. They've coordinated. And so I think, uh, they, you know, Ryan Pugh's won national championship with Cam Newton at Auburn. So mm-hmm. uh, they have a lot of um, a lot of uh, experience, and they work really well together. So, uh, And then they've demanded a lot from each other and demanded a lot from our, their, their, their players, and the response has been unbelievable. Relative to Coach Grimes, what does it mean, if anything, that a non-LDS guy – wanted to come back to BYU for another go-round here in Provo. Yeah, it's the approach that we're having in recruiting and defining our, our culture and our identity is that the um, people want to be here, you know, um, and people will want, to, will want to be cheering for us, and, and we have that already established. He, he, he came here. You asked if you hear about his, what he said, brought him back. It was the people, and that's something that's big time here than anywhere else. I've said it before. Our fans are definitely more power five than most power five fan bases so that's something that we can really build on and that's what's something that drew him back here as a non-member but it's also the reason why ryan Pugh feels comfortable here and not as non-lds member and same with aj stewart mm-hmm. we have a, a number of coaches that fit um their, their their whole lifestyle fits with what's going on here and they really didn't know much about it until given the opportunity to interview for this job and be around coach grimes and so uh, it's been it's been a great process so far i love the way that they work they work hard and they work well together but they're uh they they know how to really push each other and there's a there's a lot of moments where there's a there's a lot of growth because people are asked to do way more and the coaches lead the charge at BYU, it's natural that there will be attention on a day like today at the quarterback position. We, there are some unknowns about it, but we do know that it will be a really good competition. Yeah, and, and we've already seen improvement from a lot of people. Um, 
uh, Tanner Mangum, even though he's not able to take snaps in spring, uh, has learned the game a lot better, has uh, understood the scheme that we're asking him to understand and knows his reads. And I think a lot of that goes into his senior year as well. But He shed a, some weight. Apparently yeah, he looks really good. He looks good. great. Yeah. And, and, uh, but, you know, the, the competition does that to you. And um, uh, I'm not accusing anyone of entitlement or anything like that, but when things are too easy and handed to you and assume that you have the stop, the spot locked up, I don't think a lot of growth happens, and so it's okay. I mean, we're all uncomfortable. You know, I'm uncomfortable with how the season went as a head coach. I'm comfortable with uh, with uh, the fact that 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 we didn't match expectations from mine, but also from the fans' expectations. And I'm ready to meet them. You know, I, I think that for for Tanner, he was uncomfortable with the year as well too. So he has one more year left. There's a lot of urgency from him, but also from the rest of the team, mm-hmm. and they just want to get to the next season. Um, want to learn from our mistakes, but turn the page and let's get moving on to the next year. And, and we feel like it's going to be a, a, a great time for us to come together as a group and really looking forward to seeing the uh, the progress, but seeing the results that happens from all this. It kind of feels like a fresh start uh, for BYU football. And it's interesting that the first opponent in this fresh start is the team that you really did start with. Your first yeah. game as head coach was against Arizona. Yeah, and a, and a team that I've been around quite a bit, you know, being in the Pac-12 and, and – uh, we get to go to Arizona again. We were at Tucson this time, but we have a lot of fan support that's going to show up there, just like they did uh, in, in in Phoenix when we played. So, uh, like I said, we're going to lean heavily on the fan base. Um, they are big time, uh, big time group, and so they're going to help us get through some hard times. But um, we're also we we appreciate all their support. Our, I promise you, our players are aware of it, and uh, they want to meet. They they their expectations are exceeding everyone else's. So. Um, we're just as impatient and want to get going with this as well. The most important game is going to be the first game, of course, at Arizona. But how many eggs are really going in the Arizona basket? How imperative is it that you guys start out the right way in in any number of different ways to get this thing going the right direction in a very very tough month? That's our focus, and and, and we can't really worry about the other games. And uh, Obviously, you look at the schedule, and you can't be blind to the fact that you have a schedule, but um, you plan accordingly, but our focus and what we're trying to get done is right now Arizona is our opponent, and we don't worry about the next one until we're done with step one. And so we're going that. We know that there's a schedule. We have but all our preparation. We don't look at other teams right now. We're focused more on Arizona, and that's. I think that's the way you have to go about it. Those who rank teams at this time of year say that you have at least three top 25 teams on your schedule in the preseason, and there are a couple of unranked Pac-12 teams and other difficult teams as you go, but uh, if it's this year's schedule or 2019's or 2020's, you don't foresee a lot of change. The general caliber of your schedules, you see kind of continuing the current trend and you want it that way. Yeah, it's it's one of the reasons why I came here. You know, I, I, I love the fact that I played BYU and I get to come home, but uh, when I was a candidate for the head coaching job, I was really attracted to the schedule because I saw it as a great challenge. And I'm like, okay, this is this is good because I would have loved to play those games as a player. I would have loved to be in those games. And so I imagine that the players were the same way, and they were. you know. And so for me and what we're trying to establish as a program, talking to Tom Homo when I got hired, um, we need a trend towards the Power Five. And so you might as well start with a great fan base that is, that is P5 and start with the schedule. And then everything else from there will trend 
to the right direction. It just doesn't happen overnight. Even when I was at Utah, it took a couple of years for us to transition into that. That's knowing ahead of time that mm-hmm. we were going to go to the Pac-12, yeah. right? So this one right now, there's, there's got to be a process in place, and that's the plans that we talked about. Everything that's going that way, the administration's done a great great job at, at heading to where we want to get to. But on the field, we need to see where we stand. And and, and some of those is, is, is a little bit slap of reality of where our program is and our, our talent level and, and our development. Now, you can get better and develop better, but we just need to make sure that everything is is un, in order in order for us to get better and unfortunately that's going to be some tough some tough games which I'm excited to play in my next guest right after you coming up in a moment is Aaron Roderick your quarterbacks coach you've known Aaron for a long time uh, what uh, what 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 would you say about um, what Aaron's going to bring to your staff great friend of mine I've been with him as a player we've, we've teammates but uh, been with him in, throughout almost all my coaching years and uh We've recruited together. We've worked together. We've battled together, and uh, I trust him. I've been, I've been, uh, you know, and Coach Grimes trust him. I've, I've seen him at every level make difficult QB decisions. So it's only fitting that he's brought into the system <laughs> where, hey, here it is, another QB decision to be made, and um, he knows how to handle this. So fortunately, this isn't the first time that he has to choose a starting quarterback. He's done that numerous times before, and he has a great staff to lean upon on that offensive side, and a great leader in Jeff Grimes. All right, A-Rod is coming up next. Kalani, you like it or not, we're going to see a lot of each other during the season head. I look forward to it. I hope you do, Oh, too. I do, too. You're, okay. We've been like that since day one <laughs> when I was a player. So, I, it's, you know, it's nice that you get to hang out with the voice of the Cougars, you know. Well, the pleasure is mine. Thanks for coming in making time for me, and uh, I can't wait for 10 weeks from tomorrow, BYU and Arizona. Kalani, thank you. Thank you. Go Cougars. All right, A-Rod is coming up next. Aaron Roderick is right around the corner. This is Behind the Mic. A special Media Day edition brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Aaron Roderick is next. Stay with us. Tanner surveys the field, steps up, goes deep. He's got a man back, the defender. It is caught by Malamahifo. You are listening to Behind the Mic on BYU Radio. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Welcome back to the program. We are brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Special BYU National Media Day edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. Well, he looks too young to have been coaching for two decades, but uh, Aaron Roderick is a fresh-faced, grizzled coaching veteran. First with BYU as a grad assistant, uh, then on to gigs at Snow College, Southern Utah, University of Utah. He's done most of his coaching on the offensive side of the ball with running backs, wide receivers, and quarterbacks, and his coordinated offenses and passing games for most of those Two decades of coaching. He's BYU's new quarterbacks coach and pass game coordinator. And as such, A-Rod, I guess you've been the target of uh, many an inquiring media mind today for some reason. Yeah, it's been a long day. <laughs> Already. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, w- without getting into specifics about what might transpire, what, what would you like Cougar Nation to know about the general overall health, not physical health, but the status of the quarterback position as you enter 2018? Well, just that I think we have a good group. Um, you know, I, it's not like not like I'm taking over a situation where there aren't any guys to work with. I think I think we have some good quarterbacks in this program. I think the future, uh, both immediately and in the future, I think we've got good players that can throw the ball, that are smart and that are competitive. And, and um, I'm looking forward to a really great battle in fall camp. And I'm also looking forward to just the next few years to see how these guys – 
uh, develop. You've got an incoming senior in Tanner Mangum who, while he did a lot in spring, didn't go full go, but he will be full go in August. And so what you're going to get is a full-on competition with all the guys you want to see get reps, right? Yeah, that's right. And he did a lot more than we expected in spring, which was great. But now he's full go. He's He's been full go all summer, really. And um, I don't know if you've seen him, but he looks great. Everyone he, tells me how good he looks. <laughs> he, I, he looks yeah. like a totally—honestly, he looks like a different person. He's lost 22 pounds. He's very fit. Uh, like just lean and so why and, would he have added the weight and why was it important that it go away i don't know what, about the adding it but i just know that um I, I he just looked heavy and kind of sluggish to me uh in spring and so i had to talk with him and asked him to you know make some changes we just mm-hmm. talked about you know hey how do you how, how much sleep do you get at night what are you eating you know and, and talked about just how maybe a different body composition might help him be a little quicker, hmm. uh, a little more on balance. Uh, just And just the process of going through that, too, I think also gives you confidence. And he, he, he's made an amazing transformation. Because he has the most reps, most yards, touchdowns, game experience, senior, the whole thing, people would expect him to have an inside track when this competition gets underway. But since it still is a competition... How soon do you want to decide it, knowing you're going to have four weeks to get ready for an actual game in Tucson? Well, it would be great to know who our quarterback is, you know, two weeks into camp. That would be ideal. We can adjust that a little bit. If it's clear after, if it's clear before that, then great. If it takes a little bit longer, then that's, you know, we'll have to work through it. But I think within a couple of weeks, we should be able to figure it out. And, um, and and another comment about that is, you know, Tanner's experience should be an advantage for him but it's not going to be an advantage in terms of how we look at the competition so if he can use that as an advantage to play well but you're then, going on a square one great. situation you're we're, looking at it we're from a here. square one situation and i think that's really important because when we take the field against arizona i want every player in our program and every coach in our program to know that the guy taking the field earned it and he's not out there because he used to be the starter or he's not out there because he's the flashy new recruit and we're building for the future or something like that you know it's it's Mm -hmm. i want everyone to know or and everyone to have seen this guy earned it right in front of our eyes in practice we all watched it happen and he deserves to be out there this isn't meant to be a tricky question but uh, coach grimes in talking about what kind of offense he'll run year one year two year three year four said a lot will depend year to year on obviously personnel who you've got that that runs stuff better than, than another guy so knowing that certain quarterbacks do certain things better than others how much of of what you know now about the offense is going to play into the quarterback competition? How much of it can be pers- truly personnel-based once you hit August? Um, I, I think our quarterbacks have a lot more in common than, than you know, they're, they're not all exactly the same, but they have a lot in common. So offensively, we'll do pretty much the same things regardless of who's playing QB. I think what Coach Grimes is referring to is, you know, our personnel groups that are on the field, if we might be really tight end heavy one year and maybe we're a little more receiver heavy another year and and um so you can adjust accordingly um this is a place that you can always recruit tight ends here so you know and and that's something that's been lost a little bit in college football i think so we've already got a plan to play with tight ends and um and you have the guys to do that yeah we do and and we feel like we can continue to recruit those guys as well in the future so that's something that's going to be prominently featured in what we do um, and then I, I think our receivers are a lot better than maybe people think. Um, now they got to prove it. There's some unproven guys that haven't done it yet, but uh, I was really impressed with those guys in spring. Um, 
extremely impressed with Neil Pau and Oleva Ifo and Akile Davis, on and on, Micah Simon. I'm, I'm probably going to forget some guys, but uh, super impressed with those guys, and we're adding Dylan Colley. And so I, I think... I think we're maybe a little better there than people think, and that gives us some versatility. We can we can put some interesting lineups on the field. The guys you just mentioned got into the end zone last year, whether with BYU or with Hawaii. Uh, can we add Gunnar Romney to that list of guys who will come in this year? Uh, yeah, I would say Gunnar's a guy who has a good chance to play. He, normally I would be very careful about <laughs> making predictions about a freshman, but I, I believe that he's going to be a good player, and I think he has the physical tools to at least uh, be worth a look in camp and see if he can compete with those guys. Now, this isn't to to, to heighten the expectations for Gunner beyond reasonable levels, but if I watched Gunner's high school film and saw components or elements of an incoming Austin Collie years ago, would you say I'm nuts, or do you say no? There's something there. Yeah, it, it's man, it's hard to say the words Austin Collie. That's the thing. But, you yeah, don't want to you, do that. You, you, but there are some similarities. Uh, I, I don't want to put any pressure on him to to produce like Austin did as a freshman. But, um, but in terms of they, how they look yeah, and the play they, and run. Size, it just, yeah. size speed, body type, uh, their game. They have a similar game. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair comparison. Just, uh, you know, I just hope everybody yeah, understands. And again, he, I, he, prefacing and, it by saying I don't want to throw expectations, just that yeah. when I saw it, I go, yeah, I think I kind of saw something like that years ago from a different guy's high school film. Is this- and also, we have a good group, so it's going to take a lot of work for him to break in. But I think he- at the time, Austin more was expected of Austin immediately. I don't think the cupboard was as full as it was, maybe, and there were probably more reps for him as a true freshman than there might be for Gunnar this year. I think there's maybe more going on that way. But Yeah, but we we all expect great things from him. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. I, I, I think he looks tremendous, and it'd be great to see him develop the way he did. Speaking of Dylan, Austin, Dylan, uh, Austin's younger brother, he probably has as much a benefit to you in the room, locker room, as he does on the field. He'll be good on the field, but what does he bring with the experience he's had? And just being a collie um, means something, too. Yeah, he's just a relentless worker. I mean, the guy just works, and um, you know, you need that. You need You need as many guys as you can get that just... Our team guys that are always working, always trying to get better. Is he here now? He is. Yeah, yeah he's here. And, and guys like that, you know, they they raise the level of competition on the field. And, and also just his his professionalism that he brings every day, I think, helps other players realize, like, if, if I don't, you know, act like this guy acts and do things like he does and study like he studies and, and all those things, then you know, you can get left behind. And so he kind of just raises the bar in terms of preparation and practice habits and weight room and all that stuff. We used the phrase square one a few moments ago, and um, separate topic but related, Coach Grimes said that he told his coaches, I guess you included, when you when you got together, that I don't want you looking at a lot of film from last year because yeah. it doesn't matter. Um, is that 100% true, or did you have to have some sense of what you were working with at quarterback, um, even though you're not going to put maybe a ton of weight on the results of last year, which was a difficult year? How much? What's the fine line for you relative to what Coach Grimes is talking about? 100% true. We didn't watch any film of last year. I saw a couple of the games early in the year. I was I was at a couple of the early games. Um, you were, yeah, you. Yeah, but okay, I but right. I didn't but I didn't like comb over the the game films and you know break them apart and and then. Uh, the end of the season, though, I I saw most of the games on TV, but we didn't go back and watch them hmm. the way a coach would. And no one on the staff, we didn't do any of that. And the idea was just, hey, if you've been a good player in the past, then you should be a good player again. And if you're a player that maybe hasn't had a lot of success yet, 
well, now's your chance. And everybody starts, you know, from the start, from ground one. And, and um, um, I think that's been good. We've had some players emerge, I think, that maybe, you know, for whatever reason they haven't been productive in the past. We had a few guys emerge this spring that haven't done a lot. And maybe maybe BYU fans don't know a lot about them. But I Would think, a name I come think, to mind that you'd feel comfortable sharing? or uh, Akile Davis. Okay. Yeah. Or even a few guys that played but just maybe weren't real prominent guys like Neil Pau might have been our best player on offense in spring. I mean, he was very productive, very just he's a good football player and I know I don't know exactly what his numbers were last year, but I don't remember him being like a big star. I just think he was a, a guy that scored was, a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not afraid to say I expect big things out of him. And same goes for Leva Ifo and and Micah Simon and but like Akile Davis is a guy who hardly played at all that I think is going to be a, an important part of our team. Um, there's a couple of offensive linemen that are like that that maybe didn't play a lot that I think are going to be key players on our team this year as well. Do you think you've got better offensive personnel than a five, than a four and nine team might expect to present you in your first year? Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. Um, and and that was one of the things that was attractive to me and Jeff Grimes about taking this job. We we talked a number of times before we got hired, and you know. A lot of people say, "Oh, well, there's limitations at BYU, and it's hard. It might be might be tougher. You can't just recruit whoever you want." And you can look at it that way, but you can also look at it like we're going to have the same group of guys every year, right? It's always the same guys, and it's been proven that you can win with those guys. So that you know, we're not going to dip. There shouldn't be giant peaks and valleys in terms of personnel here. We're going to have the same team virtually the same team year in and year out okay so now let's let's put together an offense that can execute and um, that's that's the plan that's what we're trying to do and I look at it as a positive I I, I like the consistency in what we're going to have from year to year okay last thing for you then when you hear that uh, BYU and Arizona kick off 10 weeks from tomorrow does that sound like uh, a long time in the distance or right around the corner um <laughs> well it can't get here soon enough, to be honest with you. I, I'm I'm excited for it. I think about it all day, every day, and I've been just egging on our players all summer. I mean, you can ask the guys; they get text messages from me, like, "What'd you do today to, you know, beat Arizona?" Like, we're that game means a lot to all of us. I think we got a lot of hungry players who feel like they got a lot to prove. We got coaches on our staff who feel like they have a lot to prove, and and um, you know, we've got to be in midseason form because. There's no, you know, there's no gimmies at the beginning of the season. We don't get a couple of warm-up games. We got to be ready right away, and I uh, can't wait. Well, when you first took this job, we had you on my show um, in a different studio a few months ago. We talked more about kind of the coaching journey. It was fun to talk a little more specific today about uh, what's to come. Always fun chatting with you, Aaron. Thanks for the time. My pleasure. Thanks for having right. me. That is quarterbacks coach, pass game coordinator Aaron Roderick joining us. Just around the corner, a couple of current Cougars. We'll have Corbin Kofusi and Tristan Hodge joining us next. This is a special National Media Day edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Corbin and Tristan coming up next. Stay with us. As Stanton drops in a deep pocket, being chased by Kofusi, and he goes down! Sack back at the 31 yard line, a loss of nine. You are listening to Behind the Mic on BYU Radio. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. And not a single Tristan Hodge pancake for me to call yet. It's such a sad thing. But we got Corbin Kafusi in there. Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. It's a National Media Day edition here on BYU Radio. Studio 2 
We're brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. We've had current coaches. We've had former Cougars. And we finally get a couple of current Cougs on the program now. Corbin Kafusi and Tristan Hodge, a D-lineman and an O-lineman joining us here in Studio 2. Gentlemen, thanks for your time. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, what's your day been like so far, Corbin? Day, it's been busy. You know, media day is always a busy day, but it started off with running the stadiums, getting the lifted. Then we come here and... You know, then they just tell us where to go. We're like cattle. <laughs> Tristan, how about you? Yeah, it's it's the same. Yeah, starting out with uh, full stadiums, as our coach Newt would say. We now know our stadium inside and out. And then uh, getting a great lift and coming here and, yeah, herd it around like cattle. But that's nothing new for a lineman. Okay, because I wanted to relate to you guys today. I didn't have a lift, but I did run 12 miles this morning before media what? day. So I I, I got oh, my workout in as well. Yeah, <laughs> feeling okay actually. I'm training. I've got a half marathon a week from tomorrow, so this is my last long training run for us. Holy so, cow! Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, but I didn't get the lift in. So um, we we we've chatted with the former Cougs who are still in the NFL right now. We've talked to most of the coaching staff, and uh, one of the things I haven't talked too much about is just about what excites everybody for 2018. And maybe I could have each of you answer that question in terms of what personally gets you most pumped up, most amped for the 2018 season. Tristan, we'll start with you. You know, personally for me, I think the biggest thing is now we have a new offense. And with our new staff, I'm, I'm really excited. All the work that we've all put in, you know, the offense, I'm, I'm really proud of everything that they've done. And the coaching staff has just done wonders with us. And now I'm, I'm the most thing I'm excited about is getting out there in September and showing everybody else what we've been working on and hopefully, you know, turning some heads, you know, for the whole team. Corb, how about you? I think for me it's the excitement that comes behind the unknown because a lot of people want to know what's going to happen, you know, what do you what do you do after a season like that and they don't know. And I think you know, coming off of last season it's going to be fun to show people what we've been working on. Corbin Kufusi from right here in our own backyard and Tristan Hodge from up in Idaho. And before playing for BYU, Tristan was at Notre Dame where he was the uh, offensive scout team player of the year during his uh, redshirt year with the, uh, with the Irish. Um, f- to square us up on where you are eligibility-wise, how many years were you at Notre Dame? And then how many years do you have left to play here at BYU? I was at Notre Dame for about two and a half years, and now I'm sitting at about three years left of eligibility. I got an, I got an extra year added at the end of the season, so now I have... Including this year, I have three years. Okay, you did play a number of games as a freshman at Notre Dame, didn't you? Or, 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 or did you redshirt then play or play in that? I thought you played some games. At Notre oh no, Dame. I, I played later on as a sophomore in the second season okay. because as a as a freshman there was no red, there was a redshirt, no no games allowed. But uh, I played in a couple games, um, like Nevada and Army. Um, specifically and yeah so yeah i played a little bit there okay uh the notre dame i mean when people ask me about favorite places to go uh as the byu broadcaster like notre dame's like right near the top of the list all the time because it's an experience not just a game you go to it's an experience that encompasses the the whole weekend feel they bring in a whole new group of fans it seems from all over the country for each different game because of their fan base how would you describe even though you love BYU how would you describe the Notre Dame experience as an experience as an experience you know even from a player standpoint I even got to see it as, as a fan standpoint when I was being recruited it is just seeing a sea of people washed up surrounding this massive stage you know you have old coaches such as Lou Holtz coming up there and you just have a deep bellowing from the crowd a big Lou mm-hmm. I mean it's it's something that's you're right it encompasses the whole weekend it starts friday they have you know they have the band playing inside the golden dome and it's just it's just filled to the brim with people and then you you know you have the of course like how we have the cougar walk here they have the irish walk from the from there 
you know, football facility all the way to the stadium, which is a lot shorter than here. I mean, if we did the <laughs> Cougar walk from the uh, SAB here all the way to the stadium, that'd be that'd be a heck of a walk. Yeah. But um, uh, they they do the walk there, and I mean, it's 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 crazy how you never see the same fans. And of course, the the campus is is, is incredibly engaged, and just seeing the amount of people, it definitely is. As you said, it's an experience. You had exposure to that, and yet uh, you decided that this was the uh, the right place for you to continue and hopefully finish your your football career. Why BYU for you? Most of it was because of the culture. Uh, of course, talking to Bo, you know, seeing how his experience was. He's here. your cousin. Yes, yeah. yeah. And so um, uh, his experience is, yes, you know, this is a very tight-knit brotherhood. There's a big, huge family feel, and there's an emphasis on that. And seeing the culture of that, and I wanted to really experience that true family feel, you know, that every single person on the team, you know, I, ca- I can count on with my life and my brothers. And coming here, I knew that this culture would be right for me. And, of course, you know, here I am a year later. And I've have all of them confirmed. You know, it's been it's been great. The culture's incredible and I, I wouldn't change it. Corbin, you know a little bit about family feel <laughs> at BYU. <laughs> Too much, no. <laughs> The Kafusi name is 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 intrinsic and connected with BYU, and and this year, uh, besides yourself, Devin, mm-hmm. uh, younger brother, and Isaiah, cousin, will will both be in the mix on defense. Be a lot of Kafusis on D this year. Yeah, and I love it. You know, I love I love sharing the last name on the jersey. It's a little bit weird, but it's it's fun <laughs> to have them around. You know, especially I'd actually never got to play with Broth while I was here at BYU. Just because the way our paths never cross, and so it's fun to have Devin around. I ran into uh, Devin in the Cannon Center the other day, had a quick conversation with him, and again, on first glance, you run into a Kafusi, and it could be any of you. I mean, there's enough similarity that he says, yeah, I get it a lot. Like, people think I'm Corb, or sometimes think I'm Bronson. It happens that way. Oh, absolutely. I I carry on full conversations as Bronson sometimes, (laughs) I just feel bad when they actually find out that it's not Bronson. Oh, no. Uh, What's reasonable to expect from uh, from Devin this year, since he is just recently off a mission, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, he's recently back, but it's I love looking at Devin because he's a hybrid between Bronson and I. Bronson's a little bit thicker, but he's got some great explosion and then I'm a little bit longer and work more with like hand technique and whatnot. And so Devin is right in the middle. And so I I don't try to make his head too big. You know, I don't want to make him feel like he's the guy, but if he works hard enough, he should be the best of us. Mm. You know, he's he's the baby. You the really family. believe that? I really believe that if he works hard enough and does what he's supposed to, he could become the best of us. Now, Isaiah is a cousin, and he mm-hmm. plays a different spot than, uh, than you guys. He's a linebacker. Uh, what, what do you hope from, uh, from Isaiah this year? You know, Isaiah, he's, he's a grinder, and I love being around him because he's a good guy, but at the same time, he, he pushes himself. And so I hope, you know, when he gets that opportunity to get in, that he, he does something with that because he's, he's great. You know, he finds a way to make plays. Tristan, if there's a favored position on this team, it's got to be offensive line because the OC is a line guy, and he brings in Ryan Pugh, who is a national championship offensive lineman at Auburn and has had good experience even though he's only a young guy. There's a lot of focus as a result on your position group because the OC is one of you. Yes. I mean, you know, he, he understands, of course, being an offensive lineman, you know, it, it starts there. You know, it always starts with the offensive line, and that's where it's going to be. He's been putting us at a focal point, you know, and and also puts a lot of pressure on us, you know, to do our jobs correctly. But, you know, with all the detail-oriented schemes that we're doing and everything that the coaches have put in, putting us at the forefront, I think it's really benefited us, and it's, and it's made us step up our game as a whole. Um, but, you know, it's strengthened our unit, and I think that we're going to do really good things this year just because of it. You had great uh, uh, line coaching uh, in South Bend, and you've come to BYU. What have you already learned from coaches uh, Pew and Grimes that you think will really pay off here in 2018 for you and then the group? 
understanding a de- understanding defenses and and the detail oriented part you know it's not just you know we're, we're lining up and hitting the guy in front of us it's understanding you know how this linebacker is going to affect how the guy in front of me is going to play or how the safety rolling down is going to make this linebacker affect this so it, it's all a domino effect of how the defense is it's, it's almost to the point where we're trying to be precognitive about what the defense is trying to do and so I think that has been the biggest growing point for the unit is predicting the defense and possibly even knowing it before they do if there is some Someone who views line play as trench warfare, as the cliche goes, and just a jumble of bodies on the snap, big bodies colliding with each other. How much would you like them to know about the precision component that the offensive line coaches are asking of you guys? There definitely is. There's a lot that goes into it, technical-wise. And, I mean, of course, they want to say, like, yeah, at the end of the play, I want to look, look like a bomb went off. But there's yeah. a lot that works up into it. You know, there's there's got to be certain, you know, inches. Everything's inches. Everything's a game of inches here. Now, with our feet, with our hands, placement, there's a lot of little intricacies that go into, you know, blocking a defensive player. And, you know, it's, it, and it's not just a scrum at the end, you know. And if, if slight miscalculation with any of those could either mean, you know, a win or a loss, you know, on either side. So I think that's it's very detail-oriented, and it's opened my eyes to how much so. The offensive coordinator is an O-line guy. The defensive coordinator is a D-line guy. Uh, I guess that's a pretty good hint of where Kalani thinks games get won and lost these days, isn't it? The trenches, man. The yep. trenches where it is. Well, guys, uh, we appreciate you both coming in today and look forward to your leadership in 2018 on either side of the football. Uh, thanks for coming in and joining us on Behind the Mic. Thanks for Thank having you. us. Tristan Hodge and Corbin Kafusi. We've got Trevor Maddich, a former offensive lineman, coming up after this. And we'll end our broadcast with an introduction of our newest member on the BYU radio broadcast crew in 2018. Still to come on Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel, special National Media Day edition brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. More Behind the Mic coming up after this. Snap, handoff Squally, Squally middle, lowers the shoulder pads, and stays on his feet into the end zone. Oh, Canada, Squally scores. You are listening to Behind the Mic on BYU Radio. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Closing moments of the show will end at the top of the hour, 2 o'clock Mountain Time. Good to have you with us. It's a BYU National Media Day edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. So far today... Offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes, special teams coordinator Ed Lamb, defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki, former Cougars and current NFLers Jamal Williams and Fred Warner. We had John Denny of the Dolphins, the head coach of the Cougars Kalani Satake, the QB coach Aaron Roderick, a couple of current Cougars moments ago, and Corbin Kafusi and Tristan Hodge. And it is a pleasure now to welcome in to Studio 2 former Cougar and current ESPN college football analyst. And you hear him and see him everywhere between the months of August and, say, December, January. He's Trevor Maddox. Hello, Trevor. Hello, Greg Rubel. I'm great. How are you? <laughs> Good to see you again. You are uh, you're a busy man today. You're bouncing around from studio to studio and job to job, and yet you love it, I hope. It's a great. It's so much fun. It is tremendous fun. And the thing is, it's such a concentrated, uh, you know, it's concentrated about BYU football. So you get to, you're with coaches, you're with players, you're with media, and there's everything you want to know about BYU football in one place at one time. And I think it's awesome. I'm sorry if I grabbed you out of breath, uh, hustling you from one studio to the next. But Trevor's with us for a few moments just to get uh, uh, maybe a national media perspective on someone who knows the game so well. I, I, I was reminded of that, Trevor, when uh, you began talking about the schedule, and you could, could literally go through each team BYU's playing and list strengths and challenges, and you have to know so much about so many in your job 
But I assume that's also something you really enjoy, too, is getting to know that much. I enjoy it tremendously. And part of the fun of this, every year I'll take off uh, and drive all around the country and visit college football programs. So I'll put in literally 12,000 miles in a given year. It's my own expense, my own time. I, I pay for the gas. I pay for the hotel. And I live in Nashville, and so I'll literally end up from L.A. to Seattle, from Miami to Boston, and from sea to shining sea. But I get to visit with coaches. I get to uh, check out facilities. I get to see players. I get to learn what's happening with schemes. I mean, I, a couple of weeks ago, spent about an hour with an SEC head coach in the film room and on the whiteboard going over some innovations he's doing with the run-pass option, the RPO. I, then I go talk hmm. to a defensive coach who's telling me about all the things they're doing to try to keep up with what the offenses are doing. Now, I don't, you know, I don't cross-pollinate and tell people what anybody else is doing. Right. But the, the fun thing, though, is that especially when I talk to head coaches, it's not so much about X's and O's most of the time. It's about what they do as leaders, about mentoring young men, about what they do to take an 18-year-old guided missile coming out of high school and mold him into a, a good young man at 22 years old heading into society. And they do so much good work, so much investment in those kids and those players. And it kind of breaks my heart that people don't pay attention to that. They don't care about that. And a lot of those coaches at the end of this year will be fired because they only won eight games. Mm. But you see all those different things, and you see it all on one tour, basically, every year. And it's fun to watch college football evolve. When you were a player here at BYU, could you have foreseen that 35 years down the line, college football or football in general, because you're involved with the pros as well, was still such a big part of your life? Or was that a hope of yours? No, it was a dream, and it's a blessing. You know, being in broadcasting means that I still have access. You know, I can still walk in and talk to these coaches. I can still pick up the phone, and they'll pick up pick it up on the other end. I'm still involved with the players, and that's the thing that people will tell you that they miss the most, whether it's NFL or college. When you're through playing, like if you take NFL, you miss payday. That, that's big. You miss <laughs> game day. That's big. But the other thing that everybody always says they miss more than anything else is being around the guys. And that includes coaches, by the way. You might hate them in the moment, but you grow to love them down the road. And this keeps me involved with players and coaches, and it's a blessing. What are your marching orders for this season coming up? I'll be doing uh, NFL, or excuse me, uh, college studio for ESPN. So I'll do Sports Center College Football Live every Saturday during the season. I do College Game Day on ESPN Radio, which is the radio version of what mm-hmm. Kirk Herbstreit and those guys do on TV every Saturday. It's Who's new, your partner this year? Noon to seven Eastern. Uh, the host is Doug Kazarian, and the other analyst is um, Brad Edwards. So there's the three of us. Okay. But it's noon to seven Eastern. It's yep. a seven hour show, and we keep you up to date with everything happening that day in college football. Um, and then I do other things as well. Uh, I do Redskins pre and post game out in Washington D.C. You still do that, yeah, still do that. Heading back there actually for some things relative to that tomorrow, um, and so it's um, it's it's tremendous <laughs> fun. But it's it's a, it's a real blessing to be involved to still be involved with football at this point because the thing that's never changed is the passion. I get to see the passion of fan bases all around the country, and it's different in different places. Some places it's less than others. Some places it's off the charts. But one thing about about BYU and Utah, by the way, both places is that. They don't take a backseat to anybody when it comes to how much they love and support their team, how much they they share the joy for the victories, and how much they share the pain for the defeats. And that connection, the emotional connection that the fans of this region have to their teams here, to me, is is 
it can stand up favorably to any other place in any other part of the country mm-hmm. with any school, and that's never changed since the time I've been here. He knows from whence he speaks. Uh, Trevor Maddich, it's 70 days, 10 weeks from tomorrow, that BYU opens up in Tucson. Do people really know how good Khalil Tate is, Arizona's quarterback? He, They will. <laughs> they will on that day. He, as, as a runner, as a uh, playmaker, mm-hmm. he is along the lines of Lamar Jackson. Along the lines of Johnny Manziel, both of those guys won the Heisman Trophy, by the way. Mm-hmm. Now, how well he can throw, uh, he needs to develop there. Uh, but from a standpoint of just natural talent, gift for playmaking with his legs, he is off the charts. And he's being coached, by the way, by Kevin Sumlin, who coached Johnny Manziel yeah. at Texas A&M. So I think BYU fans are going to learn a lot about the Cougar defense when they have to face Khalil Tate. Now, people who rank teams in the preseason are not ranking a team like Arizona. That said, if BYU gets out of Tucson with a win, yep. that is a very worthy result, and I think a very important first step for this kind of fresh start feel for Kalani and his staff. Yeah, especially since last year, they only won four games, and they lost some head scratchers among the other losses as well. Last year really was a a cavalcade of awful that made a lot of dominoes fall, that made it hard on both sides of the ball to live up to potential. It was just a, just an amazing. Um, you know, just run of horrible things that happened. And they weren't able to overcome it. I think very few teams would be able to. So how good they'll be this year? I mean, I believe that this team will make BYU fans proud this year. You know, it won't always show up in the win column because of the nature of the opponents. I mean, they play two opponents that are expected to make the playoff, or at least to compete for the playoff. And then they're also facing a lot of other really good teams. I think bowl game would be a, a pride-inducing result. How do, how do you feel? I think, I think a bowl game would be a phenomenal result. And it's not because BYU, you know, six games is now the standard. No. Mm-hmm. It's because what you want to see is the improvement. You want to see execution. You want to see the fight. You want to see them leave everything on the field. And then, if the other team has more talent, they have more talent. Not a whole lot you can do about that. Although you can, and there are some teams like that on the schedule this year that there, appear to be those kind of teams. There are Washington yeah. and, and, and Wisconsin primarily, Wisconsin, et cetera. But there are some other teams that are sneaky. Boise State yeah. brings back a senior quarterback and one of the best defenses BYU will face. Northern Illinois. We'll have one of the best defenses that BYU will and face. And D-linemen they're going to see it, too. They're, they're, there's a standout D-lineman on that team. And then even a team that's not um, Utah, positionally, you know that at certain points of the field they'll have excellent uh, among the top groups in the country. There's, there, there, there's enough danger spots on this schedule. And Utah may well have a, a quarterback this year. That's what's held them back in recent years. And it's nice for BYU to play Utah in rivalry week at the end of the season, but this is the year that might have been better to catch them early because <laughs> they've got a true freshman named Jack Tuttle from San Diego who may end up being their starting quarterback. And if he is, by the end of the season, I'll have a lot more experience. And so, yeah, Utah will be another tough game. But if I'm Utah, I'm looking at BYU, thinking that is, if BYU gets an even break with injuries, that'll be an all-day fight for the Utes to win. So I, I think th- this is starting to shape up now in the, in the trajectory of the BYU program to head in the, in the direction that fans had hoped when Kalani Sataki was hired. You're on the 2 o'clock show downstairs? Uh, are you on that show? No, no, no. They're going to do that with the guys that are currently oh, in yeah, the, the current, NFL. Oh, yeah, the current NFL yeah. guys. Okay. Uh, well, you're bouncing somewhere, I know. Uh, thanks for making time for me, hopping in for a few minutes. Appreciate the perspective, as always. And I do this show behind the mic on Wednesday evenings during the season. I'd love to have you back on for a little longer stretch, if that's okay. 
It always happy to join you. Greg. I'll make an arrangement. Thank you, Trevor. Thank you. All right, that's Trevor Maddich. We'll come back after this break, and uh, we'll talk about the 2018 radio broadcast crew and introduce you to our new sideline guy for the season ahead. That's just coming up next on Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Drops in a deep pocket, being chased by Gafusi, and he goes down! Corbin Gafusi with the sack back at the 31-yard line, a loss of nine. You are listening to Behind the Mic on BYU Radio. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Well, ten weeks from tomorrow, the gang will be back together on the radio, your radio, with BYU at Arizona in Tucson. I'm Greg Rubel. He's Mark Lyons. Back, Greg. Hello, Mark. And he's Jason <laughs> Shepard. Hello, everybody. And uh, you know what? We're missing. We're missing someone. We're missing someone. But well, oh, Nate oh. Mickles off to the Golden Dome. So what are we going to do? We're going to we're going to find someone to fill Nate Mickles' shoes. And to do that, we're going to go to the same position group Nate occupied here at BYU. He was a wide receiver. Good choice. He occasionally returned a few kicks. Yeah. And our, and our, and his replacement is a, a former wide receiver who also used to return a few kicks. His name is Mitchell Jurgens. And Mitchell joining us now from the great state of Texas. Mitchell, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Well, Mitchell, uh, from the three of us, we officially welcome you to the crew, and uh, we're excited to have you. And in the time we have, like a couple of minutes with you, uh, maybe just give us a sense of what you've been doing since uh, you left BYU and how excited you are to get uh, kind of uh, back uh, you know, with the Cougars. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I after after I graduated in 2016, spent uh, spent some time up in Utah, and my wife was still in school, and uh, she graduated um, this last December. Uh, when she graduated, we actually moved to Houston. I accepted a job uh, down here working in logistics, and um, it was you know it's been a great experience. Um, but uh, when I got a call from Greg, um, seeing if I had any interest to you know, do some sideline reporting, I, you know, that's a, an opportunity that I couldn't turn down. So um, I'm just, you know, super excited to be back uh, in Utah. Uh, my wife and I will be moving back up um, and working alongside, you know, a great crew, a great broadcasting crew with uh, the best football team in, in the country. So I'm, I'm excited. Well, I like everything you've said so far, that's for sure. <laughs> great to have you on board, though, Mitchell. Uh, I think this is a, a great choice by Greg, and so uh, we're really excited to have your analysis for this year's team. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited, and um, yeah, I couldn't be more honored to work, with, work alongside you guys. It'll be interesting to see what this team is able to do this year, and and I know Mitchell. It's it's one of those things you get to this time of the year, and I, I just get the sense in talking with the guys today that they're tired of talking about getting to the season. This team is ready to go to work. This is a hungry team, especially coming off last season. I, I think this team's really excited to get back and and prove some people wrong this year. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I I'm, I'm so excited to see them. You know, take a kind of take a rebound and and prove what. BYU has always been about, and um, I'm yeah, just super excited to see these guys. They had a lot of young talent last year, and um, to see those guys getting confidence and experience, I, I think we'll, we're ready to see something special. Well, Mitch, you helped make uh, a lot of winning memories in your time as a player at BYU. We hope you get to commentate some uh, winning memories this season, your, free, uh, your first season on the radio broadcast crew. We know that uh, Nate left uh, big shoes to fill, but you'll fill them well. And thanks for saying hi for a few minutes, and we'll talk to you more when you get up here next month, and look forward to having you on the air with us. 
Hey, absolutely. Thanks so much, Greg. I appreciate it. All right, that is our new sideline reporter, Mitchell Jurgens, replacing Nate Mickle. The great Nate is off to Notre Dame, and he'll do well there. And guys, it was quick, but I wanted to say yeah. to all the folks out there, we're back. We'll be back on August 1st. Jason Shepard in the studio and in the booth. Mark Lyons. My trusty sidekick, and I'm Greg Grubel, and that's going to do it, guys, for Behind the Mic on this Media Day. Fun to talk some football here today, so bring on the football. We talked a lot of it. All right, guys, that'll do it for BYU. Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel on Media Day. We'll talk to you August 1st. You have been listening to Behind the Mic with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Grubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Listen to the podcast at BYUradio.org. 